Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. Lord, we thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's healing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is light. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is hope. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is strength. And Lord, we thank you that you said wherever two or more are gathered in your name, you're here in the midst of us. But more than that, you said you know the Holy Spirit because he's been with you, but after that time, he will be in you. So Lord, we don't only have to come to a place, but we are the place that you've come to. So Lord, we thank you that in you we live and move and have our being. Lord, that it's, it's you that are the very source of our life. And Lord, in this place today, we just want to pause and draw upon the strength of your living presence. Lord, we thank you that we, we have access to your throne. We have access to your throne. Not only do we have access to your throne, but your word says you've seated us with you in heavenly places. That's more than access. That is partnership. That is union with Christ. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I don't know what anyone in this place might have need of. There's somebody who might need healing today. There's somebody that might need hope today. There's somebody that might need strength today. There's somebody in this place that needs forgiveness today. There's somebody in this place that needs to forgive someone today. Whatever it might be, Lord, you're, you're here for that very purpose. You haven't come to, uh, to observe, and you haven't come as a spectator. Lord, you've come to be the very strength, the very power, the very dynamic, the very resource that every one of us need right now. So, Father, we just draw upon the strength of your spirit. We just draw upon the reality of your living presence in this place. And our expectations, Lord, are that whatever our problems are, they're not bigger than your resources. And whatever our needs are, they're not bigger than your power to meet them. So we give you thanks and we give you praise and we glorify you. Just magnify your holy, holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give him a praise offering before the King of glory. We magnify you, O God. Worship you and exalt you. None besides you, O God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, it, it, I was going to tell you to turn around and hug 10 people before you sat down, but you already sat down, so it's okay. You're just going to have to do that when the deal's over. Amen. You know, the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And I, I, I remember thinking about that one time. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? It occurred to me that we can't make God any bigger, but we can make him bigger to us. Because we magnify our problems and we magnify our fears and we magnify our concerns and we magnify our worries. So the psalmist said, come, let's magnify the Lord <laughs> and let's exalt his name. Let's get him up bigger than whatever else is going on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
Well, uh, this is week number three for me, and I'm blessed to be here. It's uh, been an interesting time to be here, but God knew, and uh, I'm glad he did. And, you know, a lot of times the Lord knows before I go someplace what he's doing, and thankfully and uh, mercifully, he doesn't always tell me. Uh, he, he just sends me blind, amen? amen. I call it uh, sailing under sealed orders, you know? They say... They say that the, uh, you know, in the war, the ships would go out, they'd just give coordinates, and off they'd go. They had no idea what their mission was or why they were going. They'd just go, and when they got to a certain point, they'd opened up the orders, and then they knew why they were there. Amen. Amen? I believe that's the way we should live our lives. I believe that's the great adventure to which we've been called. But we keep trying to, uh, we keep trying to get God in, into our plans rather than us trying to figure out how to connect up with his. And we try, keep trying to get him to bless what, what we think he would like us to do rather than to figure out what it is he wants to do and how we can enter into that and be a, a vessel of his life and of his presence. And if you've been here before, if you haven't been here before, just a quick reminder that there's one uh, prevailing theme in everything you'll ever hear me say for as long as I'm yet alive on planet Earth, and it is that there are two paradigms of Christian living. Paradigm number one I'm going to thank God that he, Christ died for me, and now my calling is to live my life for him. He did his part, it's my part. It's basically this idea. Jesus said, there's the way, here's the truth, go live this life. And when we get to heaven, I'll tell you how you did. <laughs> but the second paradigm, the biblical paradigm, and the proposition that Christ actually made to us is that he died for us to qualify us to become containers of his life so that he could live through us and he could do in us and through us what we could never, ever have done for him. In the same way we couldn't die for ourselves, we can't live for ourselves. In the same way we couldn't have forgiven ourselves by shedding our blood, we would have died trying to save ourselves. We needed someone to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. What makes us think, as the scripture says in Galatians, that having begun in the spirit, we're now going to be made perfect by the flesh. If, if what we had before, the Bible says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? By faith and by grace. And what did you do to qualify or earn that? Nothing. As you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, being rooted and grounded in him. So you see, the beginning of our Christian life, we fully get the first half of grace, which is that Jesus did something for me on the cross I could never have done for myself, and there's no contribution I could really make to what he did for me except to give him the sin that I needed to be set free from and, and needed to be forgiven of. But somehow we got this picture that what he started I did my part, now it's up to you to do your part. But he, he then left us, essentially, uh, with a helper, the Holy Spirit. He kind of comes along, if you need help, just call on him and he'll hand you a wrench. You know, he'll, he'll uh, you know, turn the lights on for you, shine a flashlight, whatever it is you're working on, just give you a little help. But largely, it's up to us to do this thing called the Christian life. But the fact is, nothing could be further from the truth. And Jesus made it very clear in John chapter 15. I repeat it because I, I, I found that if I don't repeat it, if I don't repeat it, if I don't repeat it, it takes a long time to break down the walls of religion and the walls of self-reliance and independence because we've been taught, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, grit your teeth, and go serve Jesus. 
But Jesus himself said, John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branch. By the way, he said, if you abide in me, and then we somehow we for, completely have just ignored the next few words. If you abide in me, and I in you, and again he says it in another part, if you abide in me, and I in you, you see, this isn't a relationship of us just think, thinking that it's about, you know, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, so I, I just need to really spend time in the word so that I know better and am more uh, completely uh, convinced of and have become more and more uh, able to articulate exactly what it is that I'm not doing. That's why I need to spend time in the Word so that I can see how far short I'm falling. We see, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. You see, when the word abides in us, it's because Christ abides in us. If you abide in me, and I in you. If you abide in me, and I in you. If you abide in my word, then you shall bring forth fruit. And in this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. This has always been the proposition of the Christian life, is not there's the way, here's the truth, go live this life. It's always been I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the very life, I am the life I'm calling you to live. By yielding to, surrendering to, relinquishing control, opening your heart, and letting me do in you and through you what you could never do in or by yourself in the same way I did something for you you could never have done for yourself, I want to do something in you you can never do by yourself. And I'm not calling you to try and act like me. I did not die on the cross, shed my blood, raise from the dead, ascend to the Father, send my spirit to live inside of you to watch you try and act like me. So you've got to understand that the Christian life, the proposition of the Christian life is that Jesus died for you to qualify you for him to come and live inside you so that he could live through you. Not you for him, him through you. And in fact, that's why you were created in fashion. Well, you say, does that mean I'm eradicated? That I'm not here? No, Paul the Apostle said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Not by faith in me and what I can do for him. Faith by him, in him and what he can do through me, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we are here, but we are created. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our talents, our gifts, our aptitudes, our skills, our capacities, all of those things are like the instrumentality of our humanity into which God places the divinity of his spirit and then works through us as we yield our life to him. That's why, Paul, uh, why Peter said that we've become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world. Now, how did that happen? 
It happened by virtue of the union that we have with Christ. That's why we're the branch, he's the vine. We've been grafted into Christ. His life now flows through us. Uh, he, uh, Romans, uh, Hebrews rather, verse 11 says, chapter 11 says that we, though we were wild olive branches, we've been against our nature, grafted into a cultivated olive branch, and we now share in the life-nourishing sap of the vine. We weren't born in this life. We were born in a spiritually dead condition, but we've been translated into, we've been grafted, Grafted into a completely new source of life and now his life is in us and that life is in us not to sit there latent and just observe us trying to act like a Christian it's there to be released inside of us to be uh, uh, given the opportunity to express and reveal and manifest the life of Christ himself in us that's why it says that in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is the mystery, Paul says in Colossians. This is the mystery that's been hidden since before the foundations of the world, but it's now been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is no hope of glory without Christ in you doing the work that brings about the glory. Why? Because we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What is the glory of God? It's Christ perfectly revealed that's why Hebrews tells us he's the outshining of his glory and the perfect representation of his nature and where is he he's in here he's in here that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 7 a wretched man that I am who will deliver me from the body of this death notice he doesn't say what will deliver me where must I go to be delivered what body of information much I memorize and become uh, you know familiar with to be delivered he says who will deliver me it's not information that delivers you. Information tells you what you need to be delivered from. It's important to know it. But information apart from the life of Christ himself does not change you. It just exposes you. The only way that what you read in here becomes practical and reasonable is if there's a power besides the power of you that can make what's in here a reality. It's the truth that makes the truth true. The truth that makes the truth true of, of a train is going to leave at 7 o'clock from this station and it's going to go to this destination. What's the truth that makes the truth true? It's the train. It's not the train schedule. The train schedule tells you when it's going to leave, how it's going to leave, what, what its purpose is, what its destination is, but the train schedule, apart from the train, doesn't get you there. And in the same way, the information does not get you there apart from the dynamic and animating power of his life to actually make the truth true. And yet I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this in any kind of judgment, but just sort of seasoned 32 years of ministry, 35 years of ministry experience, 40, 43 years, I'm sorry, of ministry experience. Man, I've been at it longer than I thought. I can just tell you this. The vast majority of Christians have never heard what I'm telling you right now. They may have bumped up against it a few times, but if, if a preacher preached it, he preached you right back out of it the next Sunday. Got you back out trying to figure out how to do it. But I'm telling you that this is the proposition of Christianity, not what you do for Jesus, what Jesus does through you, not who you are for Christ, who Christ is in you. 
It's not the power of your will. It's not the power of your strength. It's not the power of your dedication. It's not the power of your rededication. It's the power of Christ in you alone that is your hope of glory. And if you're ever going to see the glory of this life become anything more than just a theory, an actual reality in your everyday experience, it happens by you getting out of his way and letting him live through you. Turning the instrumentality of your humanity over to the power of the breath of his life and watching him play the song he intended to be played through you that he doesn't intend to play through anyone else. Because the fact is, even right here in the body of Christ, we are a great symphony. And there is not a Mike Atkins section. Here's 30 people like Mike Atkins. And it's not a Patty Atkins section, and here's 30 more like Patty. You see, there's only one instrument like you, only one in the symphony, only one. And you have on your notes in front of you, you have a part to play that he didn't assign to anyone else who has ever lived in human history or who ever will live in human history. And your purpose is found not in trying to decide what music to play and then trying to play yourself. It's found in yielding yourself to him and then recognizing there's a difference between me trying to live my life for Jesus and me learning how to cooperate with Jesus living his life through me. And by the way, as I said last week, that becomes both the most uh, easy thing you can possibly imagine and the most demanding. Now, what's the difference? Well, easy has to do with the extent to which it's about my human effort to do it. Demanding has to do with the fact that what he's calling me to is surrender, not just help him, not just work for him and get him to help me, but actually put myself in his hands and let him choose what my future holds and let him choose what I commit myself to and recognize that what he calls me to, he is planning to do. What I call myself to, I'm on my own. I get to do that. And he'll let me do it as long as I want to do it. 50, 60 years, it's okay. But what he calls me to is what he's committing to do through me. So I have a choice to either go out in my own strength, my own capacity, my own ability, out of my own flesh and try and do stuff for God, of which God has no obligation to do it with me or through me, or I can simply get in that posture that says, Lord, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price. I'm here to glorify you in my body and my soul and my spirit, which are the Lord's. Because apart from you, I can do nothing. Doesn't mean I can't do anything apart from him. It just means that what I do apart from him equals nothing in his eyes. It may be very, I mean, the world may applaud it. Fantastic job. You did such a great job. But the Lord's more interested in a cup of cold water given in his name than he is in an empire we build and call it for him. So the key thing is to realize that one of the things that has to shift in your thinking if you're going to begin to walk in this paradigm of letting Christ live through you is you've got to shift your, your definitions of a lot of things, your definitions of what constitutes what's significant. We know what the world thinks is significant. It has to do with big, better. 
more, more better. <laughs> but you see, Jesus was only on the planet for 33 years, and 30 of those were largely silent. We have no idea what he did. He was known to the world for 1,200 days. That's it, 1,200 days, three years. And we only have a record of 40 of his miracles, only 40. All of them put together, only 40. And yet John says, if we were to write down the things that Jesus did, I suppose that all of the world could not contain the volumes that would be written. He did so many other things that are not written in this book that I suppose if they were written down, the entire world could not contain the volumes that would be written. But these 40 were written so that you might believe that he is the Son of God and that you might have life in his name. What life? His life in you. So you see, I'm, 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 sometimes I talk faster than you can think, faster than you can write, because I'm trying to bypass your brain and get right into your spirit. So, so people say to me, why do you talk so fast? I can't even keep up with what you're saying. I say, hallelujah, I'm so glad you can't. Because the only way you're going to keep up with what I'm saying is to analyze it, to pick at it, to figure it. And your brain wants to grab it and tear it apart and pick it out. But your spirit's already knowing what I'm saying is the truth because it is the truth. I didn't make it up. It's right here in the scriptures. Amen? Amen. So Jesus told us, I mean, one of the first scriptures I ever heard when I was a believer is, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I heard it, and I read it, and I said, hallelujah, and I didn't believe a word of it. I didn't even know what, what he said. I just said, well, I'm just going to go out and do my very best for Jesus. And I did that for 12 years of my Christian life. I did my very best for Jesus, and it wasn't very good. Now, other people would have told you it was good. But you see, I have this nagging problem with, with artificiality. Uh, what I'd read in here was life and truth, but what I was seeing in me was artificial. I call it wax fruit. Looks good on the outside, just don't get too close and don't bite into it. But here's the thing. When you start to see this paradigm shift, then you start to see it everywhere in the scriptures and you start to realize, how did I not know this? So I want us to look at one verse of scripture just quickly this morning and give you an example of that. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and I'm just going to read from verse 3 to verse 7. It says, I thank God, this is Paul the Apostle, and he's writing to Timothy, his son, his spiritual son in the faith. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore... I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now see, we hear the first part of that verse, but somehow it's like the adversary has blinded our eyes. Religion has blinded our eyes to the implications of this verse. We hear that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But there's an obvious implication in his next phrase. But of means, but he has given us a spirit. He has placed the spirit of something inside of us. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but 
Rather, what he has given us is the spirit of the living God to dwell inside of us, who is, is the implication of this verse, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Notice that he doesn't say to Timothy, Timothy, I know you're uh, upset, and I know you're fearful, and I know you're timid, and I know that you're struggling with some cowardice, so I wanted to say this to you. You need to stop this, and you need to brave yourself up, and you need to cowboy up, and you need to uh, read some scripture, and you need to figure out how to put away this fear, and you need to start being more courageous. This is what you need to do to get rid of your fear. There's a lot of fear in the world right now. And we do a lot of things to try and get rid of the fear. But notice that Paul's admonition to Timothy was not to tell him, I want you to start being brave. I want you to start being courageous. I want you to stop being fearful. What Paul said to him is what I want you to do is I want you to stir up something that is inside of you by the laying on of my hands, because God has not given you a spirit of fear. The spirit God has given you and placed within you is a spirit of power, is a spirit of love, and it's a spirit of a sound mind. You see, he wasn't calling Timothy to try and muster these things up inside of him. He was telling him this thing, this spirit, this power, this dynamic, this life is in you, stir it up and then get out of its way and let the things that are inside of you by the power of his spirit be released through you. I'm not asking you to be brave. I'm not asking you to be strong. I'm not asking you to be courageous. I'm asking you to let the spirit that is in you who is a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind and is not afraid and has no fear in him, let him have access to your life and let him reveal himself through you. Stir up what's in you. You see, when we begin to understand that the spirit that's been placed within us is not there to simply observe and not there to spectate, he's there to act through us, to be in us what we can't be. One of the most frequent prayers I pray is, Lord, what I'm not, you are. What I don't know, you do know. What I don't have, you do have. What I am, you ain't. Thanks be to the Lord. And so I'm thankful that I don't know what to do in this situation, but you know what to do, and I don't have what it takes, but you got what it takes, and I don't, I don't know how to move, but you know how to move, and I don't know where to go, but you know where to go, and so I'm just so thankful that I don't have to figure that out. What i got to do is just learn how to listen to you, and not even, you don't even need to owe me instructions. Just give me the coordinates. What's next? Where do I go? You know why and what you're going to do when I get there. And it becomes a connection to the Lord. Well, see, this is what Timothy was saying. And, and if you think about it, he struck at three major areas of fear. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit he has placed within us, which is the spirit of Christ Jesus, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has been placed inside of us, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God, has been placed in us. He's a spirit of power. Well, the Greek word that's used there is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamic from. It's the word that we get dynamism from. It's the word we get dynamite from. It means something that has inherent power and strength and capacity and ability. It's a power and strength to move armies. It's a dynamic release of strength and power. And what he's saying is the spirit that's been placed within you is not a spirit of fear. The spirit of Christ which is within you is a spirit of dynamic power, inherent power. In other words, it's not a power you have to come up with. It's a power he's already got. And he's already in you. And he's not asking you to act like him. He's asking you to let him act through you. 
That's why Peter, when he went to the temple and man was healed and the crowds gathered, he said, men and brethren, why do you look at us as though through our own goodness or through our own strength, this man was made whole? Let it be known to you today, it wasn't us, it was him. What happened here was the movement of Christ's spirit and life in us, through us, into him. And it had nothing to do with us whatsoever. Isn't that why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we are earthen vessels into which the treasure of his life has been placed so that, why did he choose earthen vessels? So that the excellency of the power would be of God and not of us. You see, the power of the, of, the, of the movement of his spirit in life is one of the major areas of fear. We are fear we're fearful about circumstances. We're feel, fearful about un, uncertainties. We're fearful about problems, about issues, about challenges. We're fearful about the things that are going on around us. And we think, can I really handle this? Do I really have what it takes? Do I have the strength? Do I have the capacity? Do I have the ability? Well, let me answer that for you. No, you don't. <laughs> But the good news is he's not asking you to. He didn't say to you, man up, cowboy up, do what it takes, grit your teeth, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get her done. That's not what he said. He said, stir up a gift that's in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. For the spirit that's in you is not a spirit of fear when it comes to the circumstances of life or the challenges or the... I can't tell you how many times I've been... I cannot tell you. My wife could tell you. How many times I've been in places where I had absolutely no idea what's going on here or what am I supposed to do? I don't have the ability. I don't have what it takes. Now, when I was a young man, I thought I could do anything. That, that lasted a good six, eight months of my Christian life before I figured I couldn't, I couldn't do much, and now I figure I can't do anything. But what I have figured out is he can do anything. Anything he calls me to, he can do, and will do, and has committed himself to do. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work within you both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. So what I found out is that whatever the situation was, whatever circumstance of life I found myself in, if I would learn how to yield to him, I discovered that I actually have within me a God of the impossible. And he can do stuff through me I could never do. Yeah, I remember one time I was, uh, I was walking into a, grocery, uh, into a church and I was in the lobby of the church and I saw a woman who I knew and she was upset and she was crying and she seemed really troubled. And so I, I remember I was, I was busy, I had things to do and, and she wasn't seeking help, she was kind of over in the corner. But as I went, started to go through the door, the Holy Spirit just arrested me and I just felt like he said, I want you to go back and pray for her. So I went back and I, and I said, Linda, are you okay? Can I pray for you? And she said, oh, it's, it's my daughter. Her daughter's name was Tracy. She said, she, I'm so worried about her. I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, what's going on? And she said, Tracy, is, uh, she's gone to Europe. She said, she, I've lost complete control with her. I knew that she was with some druggies and some people that weren't good. And she said, I don't know if she's dead or alive. I, I can't get her on the phone. I've tried everything I can do to reach her. And I'm just terrified that something horrible has happened to her. And I said, well, Tracy, let's, I mean, uh, Linda, let's just pray. So we prayed, and we laid hands and prayed. And two things I prayed. I said, Lord, I pray that Tracy would get in touch with Linda, and I pray that you'd bring her home. And I, I, I said, I'm just going to stand with you in prayer. So about, I don't know, maybe a week later, Patty and I had to go to, to Europe. I was uh, to speak at a Youth with a Mission Discipleship Training School in Amsterdam. And so we got on the plane, and for the first time I've ever had this happen, uh, we flew in and we actually landed in London 
before we flew into Amsterdam. I'd never had that happen. I always had direct flights to Amsterdam. For some reason, they routed us through London. So we had about a four-hour layover in London. And Patty's sitting right here. She can affirm everything I'm saying. And we, we got ready, and there was a little place you could go and kind of sleep, put your bags down and rest. So we decided to go there. We went there for several hours. And then it got to a time where it was just about a walking distance to the gate before we needed to be there. And I said, we ought to probably head on out. So we're going down this airport, in Gatwick Airport in London. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody say, Mike. And I didn't stop. I just kept going because I don't know anybody in Gatwick Airport in London. And I walked a little further. She said, Mike Atkins. <laughs> I stopped and I turned around. I'm looking at Tracy. She looked terrible. She was with a bunch of kids that, you know, like darkness kind of all around. And she, I looked at her and she looked at me. And she said, what are you doing here? And I said, Tracy, I'm here to tell you you need to call your mother and you need to go home. And the Lord sent me here to tell you that. <laughs> and she started to cry and we hugged on her. Patty and I prayed over her. I gave her some money and we went on to Amsterdam, did our thing. And then uh, we, when we got back, I walked into my Thursday night group Bible study, which is college ministry Bible study. And there sat Tracy on the front row. She had called her mother and she'd gone home. Now here's the thing. I didn't know any of that was going to happen. I had no idea any of that was going to happen. All I knew was as I was walking through that door, something stopped me. And see, I was just beginning to learn I have all, I got all this important stuff I got to do for Jesus. But what I think is so important, sometimes he doesn't even show up on his list of to do's. But what he thinks is important, sometimes I can't even hear it because I'm too busy. So he's given me a spirit of power. He's given me a spirit of love. You know, I can't love everybody. I've discovered I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not that great at this, you know? Oh, I'm good at, hey, brother, how are you? Love you, love you. But, you know, real love, again, I have a problem with artificiality in others, but mostly my problem is when it's in me, when I know I'm faking it and pretending but like Corey Tinboom, I, I sat on the board of the Corey Tinboom Museum for 20 years in Harlem, Holland. When she met the guard who was part of beating her sister to the point that she ended up in the infirmary and later died, and she saw her in Germany at a church meeting walking down the aisle to come up to her. And she knew she was going to ask for her forgiveness, and she said, Lord, I can't. And he said, I'm not asking you to, Corey. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to get out of my way. And she said, Lord, you're going to have to do it. And he said, That's all. that was always my plan, Corey. And instead of her trying to love him for the Lord, she said, Lord, love her through me. And when she got there and their arms went around each other and the forgiveness came, she said, suddenly a river of love began to flood through me. And by the time that hug was over, it was like she was a member of my family. Something I could never muster up. And a sound mind. What is a sound mind? A sound mind means a whole mind. 
It comes from one Greek word, sozo, which means the same word we get salvation, and phreneo means the mind. It means a mind that's whole. It means thinking processes that are whole. Some people, maybe some in this room right now, sometimes you think you're gonna go crazy. Sometimes you think I can't handle the stress. Sometimes you think I can't handle the grief. Sometimes you think I can't deal with the problems. Sometimes you feel like I'm overwhelmed. Life is just crushing me. I can't figure it all out. Let me tell you something. My recommendation to you is don't try to. Just stir up what's in you. And say, Jesus, I thank you. I don't have a sound mind. But the spirit that's placed within me has a sound mind. I don't have the capacity to love, but the spirit of Christ within me is a spirit of love. I don't have the power to do what it takes, but the spirit within me is a spirit of dynamic power and capacity and ability. You see, it's, it's always been, always been from Genesis to Revelation, this great story of God creating man to be the temple of his spirit the branch to his vine, the treasure chest of his treasure. And that's all he's ever asked is, if you'll just put yourself in my hands, you'll find out what you're really meant to be and what you can really see happen. And trust me, once you touch the reality of his life and you compare it with the artificiality of our attempts to act like him, you won't want to go back. As a matter of fact, you'll get up every morning thinking basically, Lord, what are we going to do today? This could be fun. There's a great adventure waiting. By the way, I've also discovered that the Lord doesn't owe me a why ever. He, in his grace and mercy, does a good job of giving me enough whys to keep me doing the what's, which is yielding to him. But I don't think it's until we get to heaven I'm going to find out the domino effect of a conversation I had with a waitress where I never even saw a result. But they went home and started thinking. They went home and started reading. They went home and got on their knees. They went home and told their husband. Their husband got on their knees. Kids got on their knees. Sometimes I get a letter. You don't remember me, but I was in your youth group 40 years ago. I was the kid you hated. The one that made your life miserable every day. And by the way, I made my own miserable as well. This is a true story I'm telling you right now. But I want you to know that about 20 years after I went through jail and I went through divorce and I went through drugs and I was in a jail cell, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and everything you ever said came back to me. And I began to open the Bible and I could remember all of the messages you preached when you didn't think I was listening to any of them. And one day I got down on my knees and I gave my life to Christ and he said, and now I want you to know I've, I've been married now for 15 years. I have two beautiful children. I'm a uh, leader in my church I love Jesus with all my heart and I just thought to myself you know I bet Atkins has no idea the impact he made on my life well you know what I thought Jesus how do you do that kind of stuff how do you do that kind of stuff it's like Paul said in Romans 15 I will not dare to speak Romans chapter 15 I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ did not do through me in word and deed in mighty miracles and wonders among the Gentiles I'm at that place everything that happens I'm the most surprised and I am the most amazed when God works through me by the way he's in you too 
You can try one more time to be strong or you can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You can try one more time to love somebody or you can be the vessel of a love that is eternal. You can try one more time to handle the pressure and stresses and difficulties of life by engaging your intellect or you can say praise God the spirit that is within me is a spirit of soundness of mind and I'm going to let this mind be in me which was also in Christ Jesus you got a brain but you get to choose what mind occupies it <laughs> amen so let's stand up together can we do that let's just stand up together Thank you for letting me talk a little longer this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that these things are so rich and so deep and so wonderful and so amazing that we can spend a lifetime plumbing them. But it's just like electricity. I use it every single solitary day, although I don't fully understand all of how it works. I'm so thankful it's there, and I can access it. And Father, I know that in this place, there is a truth that's hanging in our hearts right now. It's, it's, just, it's just being cultivated over these weeks we're sharing together. And that truth is that Christ in us is the hope of glory. I thank you that you're not sitting up on a throne somewhere awaiting our arrival and watching how we're doing. But you've actually established your throne in our hearts. Because you said that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Your throne is where you rule, and a kingdom is where there's the dominion of a king. And you said, don't say over here and over there is the kingdom of God, for I say to you, the kingdom of God is within you. So Lord, you are ruling in us. That's the goal. And we're here to be available to your purpose and plan. Father, I thank you. Because I believe every attempt we make to act like you that ends in failure is a part of the strategy of you allowing us to get to the end of ourselves. I believe every time that we spend another year in the futility of our own ways, it gets us one day closer to you being able to have full control. So Father, it's my prayer right now that wherever we are, whether we're young or old, whether we're beginning believers or we're ancient believers, Wherever we have missed the good news of the second half of grace, which is Christ in us, through us, doing what we cannot do for him, that we would enter into the fullness of the promises of God, not just forgiveness for what we did, but power for what we cannot do. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're just in the stillness of this moment. Maybe there's somebody here that you say, you'd say to yourself, you know, I, I never, I didn't even know this was the deal. I mean, I, I've been kind of wavering in and out as to whether I even want to be a Christian because I hadn't been able to really pull this off. I can fake it, but it hadn't really been the real deal. And I, I don't see a lot of people around me who are pulling it off. And I just wonder if it's even real. Well, here's the good news. It is real. But it's not because people are pulling it off. It's because people are letting go. They're stopping the human attempts at self-reliance. And they're coming to a place of full brokenness and humility. And to the glory of his life. And if you ever find that, I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to want to quit. 
you're going to be on an adventure like you never imagined. Lord, I just pray somebody needed to hear that right now. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you'd start to seal in our spirit. If we, if we didn't know this and we've never really accepted a new birth and a spiritual impartation of your life in us and we've just been religious and gone to church and sung the songs and tried to be good people and we didn't know that it was life you came to give us, not religion, I just pray, Lord, that they'd in the secret place of their hearts say, Jesus, live in me. Jesus, send your spirit into my innermost being so that I can see this miracle of your life and realize this was the whole purpose for which I was created. I pray this in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Terry, maybe you could end this with just a song. Terry's not up here. Okay, so. Oh, are you here? Come and just, I just feel like end this with something. Amen. Okay. <laughs> the prerogatives of a pastoral. All right. Let's just sing that last one that we sang before. That chorus. It, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing all the earth will shout your our hearts will cry these bones will sing great All the earth, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you all. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you all.